be seated. I'd like for you to take the Word of God tonight and turn to one verse this evening found in the Old Testament, and it's the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And uh, the Lord has directed me, I believe, over the last few days to this one verse, and I believe the Lord has something in it for each one of us. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 18, one verse, verse 21. It's amazing to me, this book of Proverbs, it's a book of wisdom. And if you know that you lack wisdom, well, the scriptures say, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. So if you know that you don't have enough wisdom, then ask God. The scriptures say he'll give to you, to every one of us, liberally, that means abundantly. He's not going to get after you or chasten you when you ask him. He's not going to chastise you for asking. The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom, chock full of helpful tips about life and about godliness. And we have one of them tonight, which I believe is the Lord has led us to. One verse, verse 21 of Proverbs 18. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Let's just pray, just briefly, for the Lord's help. Father, we believe that thy word is powerful, and that this little word tonight, this one verse, has power in it to transform lives. We pray that tonight it would be the case. Meet with us, we pray, around this verse. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. In the heart of that verse, I've underlined the words, the power of the tongue. The power of the tongue. When I was a child, we used to say a little, sing a little song. You've probably said it yourself. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Have you ever said that growing up? Couldn't be more false. Couldn't be more wrong. I'd rather be whacked with a stick or hit with a stone. The truth of the matter is, words are deeply powerful. One of the greatest tools we have on all the earth is the tool of the tongue. And one of the fiercest weapons known to man is the weapon of the tongue. Words are so powerful, so powerful, that this world was created by words. The power of the tongue. There are many people who quarrel and argue about the origin of all things, but I believe the scriptures give us truth and understanding. In the very first book of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 6 says, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Verse 9, and God said, 
let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Verse 11, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for, the si for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and it was so. Verse 20, God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly moving creature that hath life and fowl, that it may fly above the earth to open the firmament of heaven. And it was so. Scriptures go on. Verse 24, God said, Let the earth bring forth a living creature after his kind, cattle, creeping thing, beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God said, verse 26, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And it was so. For the very words... In the very tongue of God, the world was created. Some people say, ah, you don't believe that, do you? Of course I believe it. Think about what we have accomplished with the tongue. And if we were made in the image of God, it only makes sense that we have been made as creative beings after a creative God. I have no problem believing that God spoke and the world was created because all I have to do is look at what we accomplished with words. Think about skyscrapers that are built because we have articulated instructions on how it is to be done. And if we can look at a building that has been created by man, by the words of man that have articulated exactly how it is to be every block to be laid and every piece of iron where it is to be placed and fastened and held together, if man can do that, then what can God do with his tongue? If man can sit in a university lecture hall and, and, and lecture students on how to perform an a brain surgery, an open heart surgery. If we can explain with the tongue how to perform such successful procedures, then surely the great God of the universe can speak and all things be created. I have no problem believing that all things were created by the word of God's mouth. Look at what we've done with our own words. With the information and articulation of the mind and of the brain, no other creature has power like we do. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue, I believe, distinguishes us from all creatures. You say, hold on just a moment. Dogs have tongues and cats have tongues and hummingbirds have long tongues. And I'm not talking about the organ itself, the muscle itself. I'm talking about what the tongue represents. No other creature uses their tongue like we do. Well, they may grunt and make some noises, but no other creature uses the tongue like we do. When's the last time you saw a pack of wolves wolf sitting in chairs listening to a lecture or a sermon? No other creature uses the tongue like we do. And there are some pretty amazing tongues in nature, aren't there? Some pretty remarkable creatures and tongues. But I repeat, no other creature uses the tongue like we do to represent thought to articulate meaning and instruction and feeling. No other creature, because we alone have been created in the image of God. With words, we give instructions. I said a moment ago, with words, we learn the intrinsic detail of the human body. Words. And the Bible says that there is a world of power in this tongue. In fact, it tells us in that little verse, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
It's interesting to me. Both extremes are found in the power of the tongue. Death and life. Every one of us in this tent tonight, we have in the power of our tongue, we have the capability of giving life or taking life with just our tongue. You know it's true. It's amazing, isn't it, the things that come out of our mouths. It's amazing the things that we say. In fact, the scriptures tell us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Meaning, sometimes people say things and they say, ooh, I didn't mean to say that. No, you really did mean to say that. It was in your heart and it came out. I'm not talking about maybe using the wrong word, but I'm talking about when you get so hot, so upset, so angry, it just bubbles out. Because whatever's inside will work its way out through your tongue. Your tongue is the expression of your thought and of your heart and of your feeling. And the scriptures say, out of the abundance of the heart, the overflow of the heart is what comes out of your mouth. Let's look at that first one. It's interesting to me that God in His Word says death and life are in the power of the tongue. In that order, I can remember, I said this last night in the couples meeting, but I can remember a young man preaching at my home church in, in Tennessee, and, and uh, he was speaking on this passage. He quoted this verse, and he said, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And afterwards, my pastor got up and he corrected it, and he said, actually, it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And he said God intentionally put it in that order because man is prone to death rather than life. The tongue is actually, we are naturally more inclined to do harm and do damage than we are good. It's true, we've got an opinion about everything, don't we? We've got a criticism about everything. And in fact, the first thing that comes to mind when we meet somebody or hear something is not usually something positive, but it's usually something critical. Because naturally, the power of death, death is in the power of the tongue. It's interesting. Let's think about that for just a second. In that world of power that lies within the tongue is the power of death and destruction. And it is with the tongue that commands and orders are given to kill and to destroy. Think about it. When an army makes its mind to attack, when some execution is ordered, it is with a word that those commands are given. It is with the tongue that such instructions are articulated. It is with this little muscle, the tongue, that death and destruction are caused. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 18, Solomon says this, There is one that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. There are those who every time they speak, it's like they're cutting and hurting. We'll look in a moment. It's not always bad to use sharp words. Sharpness can be used unto edification. It can also be used to destruction. But there are those who every time they seem to open their mouth, it seems to be a slash of the sword. How? Well, because we know. You ever wondered, why is it that words hurt so much? You ever wondered that? I can remember as a child, Micah's age, I used to be so sensitive. If somebody would say something to me, I I'd, I'd, I'd couldn't help but well up in tears. And I used to, why does it bother me so much? Why do words affect me so much? 
Even today, words can affect me greatly, or a lack of words can affect me greatly. Why is that? Because I think we know that what comes out of the mouth is the expression of the heart, and also the intention of the heart. I can remember reading somebody placed in my hand many years ago a biography of a man called Gypsy Hawkins. And most of us are more familiar with the, uh, the Gypsy evangelist, uh, Rodney Smith, Gypsy Smith. But there was another man equally used of God called Gypsy Hawkins. And when he was just a young lad, before he was even a teenager in London, uh, he was traveling with his father and mother and they pulled up uh, to a pub and his father went in for a drink and his father handed him the reins of the horse and said, tie that horse up. And his father went in to drink and as soon as his father let go of the reins of the horse and headed into the pub, the horse reared up and took off down the streets of London, never to be seen again. And his father turned around at the door of the pub and looked at that young man, and he said to him, I'm going to kill you when I'm done. That little boy thought his father meant business and ran into the heart of London, never to see his father and mother again. Frightened to death, he thought for sure his father was going to give him a flogging that he'd never had before and got lost in the streets of London as a 12-year-old boy and never made his way back to his father and mother. Can you imagine? Never saw them again. Because those words, although the father wasn't literally and really going to kill his son, but those words, the child thought he, he means business, he's going to do damage. And that's why words hurt so much, because we know that there's some meaning, some depth behind them, and some intention behind them as well. That's why James tells us in James chapter 3, you're probably familiar with this portion. Do you know the first sermon I ever preached? How old was I? I can't remember. First sermon I ever preached was from James chapter 3. And James here speaks about the tongue. I probably was getting myself in trouble with my tongue, and that's why I decided to preach on this. But James chapter 3 says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Watch this, verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If a man offend not in word... The same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. You ever met somebody who's, who is able somehow to speak and yet not offend? Very rare. I don't know that I've ever met somebody quite like that. All of us, somewhere along the way, put our foot in it, don't we? In fact, we're prone. Most of us live with our foot in our mouth most of the time. And James says the man who is able to speak and not offend is a perfect man. He's able to bridle, control his whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things, Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. <laughs> Can you hear, James? Your tongue is a world of sin. Let's be honest. Most of us have done more damage than good with our tongue. We have been more cruel than kind with our tongue. We say more hurtful things than we do helpful things. And that's exactly what James is saying. A world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members. It defiles the whole body. It setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. It's amazing. We go to the city center every Saturday to share the gospel. We come to share good news. We weren't out five minutes yesterday. We weren't even out five minutes passing out leaflets. And, and one man started shouting and screaming. 
And I looked over there, I thought, what's going on? And Dylan said, oh, okay. And he sort of walked in the other direction. And the man was having a real go at Dylan. And all Dylan said was Christian leaflet. And the man started uh, swearing at him. And he said, no problem, God bless you. And the man lost it and uh, told us we were preaching hate. I said, sir, the only one hateful right now is you. And the evidence, that this is the evidence of man's broken heart, is that we can't help but, but spew out brokenness and unkindness and hatefulness. It just flows out of our mouths. We wake up in the morning sometimes, and we open our mouth, and it just, we almost vomit out evil. From the time you wake up, unkindness, cruelness, criticism that doesn't need to happen and it defiles the whole rest of your body it sets on fire your whole path of nature and it is set on fire it it is lit by the course of hell itself for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind but the tongue can no man tame isn't that interesting we can tame every animal on earth but we cannot tame our tongue you can teach a dog to sit, roll over, go to your house. We can teach a dog where to use the loo. But yet we can't teach our tongue when it ought to be quiet. We can ride on the back of elephants and big Clydesdale horses. And we can cause big wolves and dogs to kneel at our command. But yet we cannot control our tongue. We can control big machinery. We can give instructions and we can... We can even control a, a whole fleet and a whole, a whole uh, a crew of workers, but we can't control our tongue. It's amazing, isn't it? The tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless God, God even the Father, and therewith we curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. You ever wonder how interesting that is? We can come, come into a service like this, praise God, God worship God, God, walk out, and then start backbiting gossiping people. Amazing. Because death is in the power of the tongue. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, a fool's mouth is his destruction. Do you know I've gotten, the biggest trouble I've ever gotten to in my life is the trouble that I've gotten into with my mouth. Growing up, I had an older brother, and I just couldn't keep my mouth shut, and he just kept pummeling me. And, he, and that just only grows as you get older. You, sometimes I just can't keep my mouth shut, and I find myself digging a deeper hole. I get myself in trouble with my wife or my family because of my mouth. A fool's mouth is his destruction. And the scriptures say death is in the power of the tongue. But can I also tell you, in the same verse, it says life is in the power of the tongue. Do you know you do not have to constantly be destroying people with your tongue? It's amazing to me that we find all we find. The pattern for life is found in the person of Jesus Christ and in the person of God himself. And this is what we find. If God, with his tongue, with his word, created, gave life, created life, then surely we have a measure of such power that we too, being created in the image of God, may actually speak words of life rather than destruction. Instead of being miserable wretches and human beings, 
that make everybody else around us miserable because every time we open our mouth, it's constant negativity. We can actually open our mouths and speak words of life. What an opportunity. I couldn't help but think of the prophet Ezekiel. I'm thinking about words of life, the power of life. Ezekiel chapter 16, and we find in verse number one. one let me read for just a couple of these verses. Again, the word, word of the Lord, Lord came unto me. All through the New Testament, the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came. And he said, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And say, Thus, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, thy mother a Hittite. And as for thy nativity, in the day that thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. Here's what God is saying. He's giving a vivid picture as to the day that the children of Israel, the people of God, became His children. Spirits is a spiritual picture. That they were despised and rejected by all of humanity. All of humanity turned their back on them like an infant that was born and chucked into a field. That's a vivid picture. And the Bible says in verse 6, God is speaking, When I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, I said unto thee, live. One word, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. And life was given. Would you look here for a moment? This is a beautiful, beautiful picture of the gospel of Christ Jesus, of salvation. When we were lost and dead in our sins and there was nothing lovely about us, we were rejected by all that was good and we were, we were actually waiting, just waiting to die, dead in our sins and our brokenness, separated from God. Our, the brokenness of our own heart, the darkness of our own mind had so consumed us that we had no hope, that we saw no way out. And at that very moment when we were just about to perish, God himself walked up and with the word of his mouth said, live. Live. And life was given. Spiritual life was given through the power of Jesus Christ our Lord. Every time you read in the New Testament about Jesus, you read that he's constantly giving words of life. He'll say something, so a man with a withered hand stretched forth thy hand. He uses his tongue. And the man reaches his hand out and in obedience to that, Life was restored to the arm. He speaks commands. We hear these commands. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Those are words of life. Or how about this one? Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the, all the, ends of the earth. Words of life. That most famous verse in all the Bible, John chapter 3 and verse number 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, death and destruction, but have everlasting life. Those are words of life. Words of life. Oh, 
that God may put in our hearts such words so that when we open our mouth instead of destruction, there might be words of life offered. I love, I love it as well. You continue in the book of Ezekiel. You come to the 37th chapter. I love this chapter. We've looked at it before. God tells the prophet, again, the Lord speaking, the hand of the Lord was upon me, carried me out into, in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Bones are a picture of death. Death. God took this prophet and put him in the middle of a valley full of bones. And the Bible says in verse number 2, He caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many, many bones, in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. It means they've been dead for a very, very long time. Sometimes I walk through the streets of Oxford and feel like I'm walking through a valley of dry bones. People dead in their sins, they've been dead for a very long time. And as the days go by, their bones are only getting drier. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I answered, O oh Lord God, thou knowest, I don't really know. And again he said to me, prophesy upon these bones. Speak, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Can you imagine? Here he is in the middle of a valley full of bones and God says, talk to the bones. In his mind he says, there's no hope for these bones. These people are dead. Don't even know if they're people. They just see bones. And they're really dry. They're really dead. And God says, talk, open your mouth. Doing our problem is, we judge a situation and a person before God does. We look at somebody and say, they're never going to change. They're never going to be any different. I was with a, trying to work with a family this week, and, and, uh, and, and the wife said, he'll never be any different. He's been this way for 23 years, and he'll never be any different. I said, hold on a moment. Is not God able to change a life? Does not God have power to change someone? Yes, without God, he'll never be any different. But you've forgotten one very important part of the equation. That's God himself, the one who gives life, the one who changes hearts. Speak to the bones, he says. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live. Again, ye shall live, ye shall live, ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. I opened my mouth and spoke words of life as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together, bone to his bone, and when I beheld, lo, the sinews of the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, and there was no breath in them. Can you imagine being there when those bones started rattling together? I'd hit the road running as fast as I possibly could. No, not really. He knew because God told him that would happen. And then he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. That is a picture of what the power of God is able to do over a dead heart. 
over someone who's dead in their sins, so hardened to God, so hardened to love, so hardened to the truth of God's word that they don't care about God, they don't care about the gospel, they don't care about anything but themselves. And the Bible says, don't you give up, you just speak words of life and let God do the rest. Oh, but they've been this way for 23 years. And today might be the day when God breathes life into them. The amazing thing about the gospel of our Lord and Savior, we read in John 3, is that the Spirit bloweth where He listeth. The Spirit of God blows where He wants to blow and works where He wants to work. And we just happen to believe that God wants to work more than we want Him to work. We just happen to believe that God is even at work tonight, breathing life. We have a choice as His children whether we ought to use words of life or death. It's interesting. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Proverbs chapter 16, we've been looking a lot at Proverbs. In fact, it would, it's a good little study sometimes to go through the book of Proverbs and see every time the word tongue or word or mouth is mentioned. But Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. There are some people that I love to be around because when I talk to them, the words that they share with me are pleasant words. They're words that bring health to my heart and my soul and my mind. They're oftentimes it's just words from God. They're sharing with me truths of God's word. They just speak about the things of God. And nothing builds me up like being around those people. Pleasant words are on honeycomb, sweet to the soul, health to the bones. That's the way we ought to be. Colossians chapter 4, Paul writes to the church at Colossae and he gives some similar advice. Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 6, let me read it for you here pre uh, briefly. It says this, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man. No, I love that verse. I get it backwards sometimes, don't you? Let your words be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Most of the time, my words are always with salt seasoned with grace. But it ought to be the other way around. Now, there's one last part of the verse in Proverbs that I want to mention. Proverbs 18, I believe it's a very powerful point of the verse. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, this brings comfort to my soul. They that love it. What do you mean, they that love it? Love what? They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Here's what he means. They that love the power of death in the tongue are going to eat the fruit of it. They that love the power of life in the tongue are going to eat the fruit of it. So whichever one you love. Now every once in a while you, you might say, well I'm trying to use my words to edification but sometimes I mess up. I understand that. But it's about the affection. It's about what you love. What you desire. I want to use words that are, are that, those words of edification and those words of strengthening and those words of life. That's what I want, but sometimes I stumble and fall. That's okay, because what I love is words of life. But if you love words of death, then you're going to eat the fruit of that. The Bible says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If I am sowing words of destruction and criticism, I cannot expect anything else but destruction and criticism in my own life. We're foolish. If I plant corn in the ground, I'd be an idiot to think I'm going to eat an apple tree out of it. Sorry. If I plant a strawberry plant, I'm going to be foolish to think I'm getting a banana tree. Whatever you plant, you're getting. 
And if you're constantly planting, putting forth words of death, don't expect anything else in return. Don't expect anything back. The Lord Jesus tells us some very sobering words in Matthew chapter 12, an appropriate place, I, I think, to come to a conclusion. But in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus Christ tells us in verse 36 and 37, let me share these words with you. The Savior says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Now, the context, the previous verse says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things. That's what it means. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Whatever's in there. And on that day, the scriptures say that every idle word that man shall speak, will, they've given account of in the day of judgment. Did you catch that? Every idle word will give an account of. I think it's interesting we hear about that because we know that the word, the mouth, the tongue is powerful. And the scriptures say in verse 37, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Did you hear that? That's a very weighty passage. By thy words. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What's in your heart comes out the mouth. Is there any remedy? Of course there is. Is there any hope for change? One million percent there is. It is God that is able to speak life and change that heart. So that the fountain itself, as James was saying in James chapter 3, very interesting little, little analogy, little illustration he gives about a fountain. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? The problem is if the words that are coming out of our mouth are words of death, the problem is that the spring is bad, the source is bad, and that fountain needs to be changed. And it is our God in heaven that is able to do such a change, such a work. Only our God in heaven. I can't do it, and you can't do it yourself. We've all gotten up in the morning and said, Today I'm going to be better. Today I'm going to speak words of life. In James chapter 1 and verse 26, If a man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. If I can't get a bridle on my tongue, then I'm deceiving myself. There is an answer. That answer is found in the person of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who only spoke words of life. Proverbs chapter 13, we find in verse number 3, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. There's another verse that says, Even a fool is counted wise when he holdeth, keepeth his peace. Guard your mouth. Guard your heart. Guard your heart, because out of the heart proceedeth all of these things. Maybe today your heart is the indication of where you stand with the Lord and, and how you're doing. Maybe your tongue, pardon me, is the indication of how your heart is. If that's the case, then let this be the thing that causes you to turn to the right source of life, which is Christ Jesus himself. Jesus spoke about words of eternal life. Thou hast, John said, thou hast the words of eternal life. Jesus. He has not just eternal life, but the words of eternal life. I want those words to be found so deeply in my bones and in my heart that when I open my mouth, it's words of life that come. We were given a verse last night 
I was given a verse by my, my dear brother. We were, we were sharing this over the last few days. But in 2 Corinthians 13, Paul said this, Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness, according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification, not to destruction. It's possible to use sharpness in a powerful way unto edification. Sharpness is not always bad. Somebody said it last night like this, if it's sharp, you don't have to push. If a knife is sharp, you don't have to saw on your bread or on your meat. If it's sharp, you just pull it through when you're cutting your steak dinner. And so if our words are sharp, won't have to be much striving with man. And those words can be sharp unto edification. We can speak the truth. Some people, some people think that speaking words of life means that you only speak positive things. That's nonsense. If you really love someone, you tell them the truth. And so just because someone tells you the truth doesn't mean that they're using words of destruction. Or if they love you, if my child is playing out in the middle of the A34, and I say to him, well, I don't, I don't want to use words of destruction, so I'm just, hope you're having a grand time out there. You think you're a madman. No, I might use sharpness and say, get out of the road. And you might, well, that's a little bit harsh. No, no if I love my son and care for his soul, I will use sharpness unto edification. The purpose and intention is to build up and to preserve. So it doesn't mean that you don't speak truth. It doesn't mean that you don't speak sharp and direct. But the purpose and intention is to unto edification. We live in a very weak society, don't we? They call the generation coming behind me, they call them the snowflake generation. Have you heard that before? I mean, if you breathe on them, they melt and wither. You don't dare speak truth to them because you may, you may cause their knees to tremble and they'll faint. And I am all about speaking words of love and words of... That's why it's important to let your words be always with grace, seasoned with salt. But you can speak words of grace and speak truth. You can do that. Unto the purpose and intention of edifying. I've looked at some people this week. And I've said to them, would you look this way? If you were to die today, would you go to heaven or hell? Are you right with God? Are you ready to meet the Lord? You might think, well, that's a little bit too direct, too sharp. But the purpose and intention is unto edification. To bring them to life. To bring them to hear the words of Jesus that say, come unto me. To hear the words of Christ that say, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And tonight, if you feel the rottenness of your own heart through the expression of your own tongue, then the encouragement and the invitation is come to Christ. Come to Jesus Christ. He'll save you today. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Nobody speaks words of life like God himself. Nobody speaks words of edification like our dear Lord himself. If you'll only come. Would you bow your head with me please in prayer? Father, we confess unto thee this evening that we know oftentimes our words are not what they should be. Even in our own minds now we think of times we've hurt people. We think of times when we have been so nasty without excuse. And I pray that from this day forward there may be some change. We realize that the tongue is just an expression of the heart. 
of the mind. And that is really where the problem lies. And tonight we ask of thee to take out the heart of stone and give us a tender heart of flesh. We ask of thee, Lord, please take out that which is ugly and black and displeasing in thy sight and replace it with the light of Christ, with the joy of the Lord, with that which is used, the sharpness that is used unto edification. Lord, help us. Help us to guard our mouths, our tongues, our hearts. Help us to be those who learn how to use this little muscle. Help us to be those mature believers who are able to speak truth with grace. Who are able to speak that which is right in such a way that it doesn't cause require pushing or striving, but just simply speaking words of life. Help us, we pray. Change us. I pray for those tonight who are here that are lost, utterly lost. They don't really know the difference between up and down when it comes to spiritual matters. They're in darkness and cannot even see it. Lord, open their heart, open their eyes even tonight. Help them perhaps even to feel for the first time the weight of their own sin, but also help them to see that there is a Savior who died for them, that they may have eternal life. Help us, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.